HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at Surrey Farms. Dot com or virginiatraditions.com Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew Yeah That cat is high Look that look in his eye Oh man, he's high Yes, higher than a kite Welcome again to The Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. And today, my guest is Ian Wolf, writer, cocktail enthusiast, wine enthusiast, and an old friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Ian. Thank you. Good to see you. Um, you recently have been uh, doing some food writing and uh, specifically cocktail spirits and wine writing for the Italian publication uh, La Cucina Italiana and uh, I have some copies here with me Um, so this magazine obviously mainly focuses on Italian cuisine Mm -hmm. and spirits and wine and culture and uh, it's a really fascinating magazine Uh, it's it's available obviously in, in English it's, uh, yes, <laughs> we are the U.S. edition of right. uh, the Italian, and uh, like most food magazines, you also we were talking earlier about this. Uh, there are certain other things that float outside of the actual food and beverage part. Uh, like there was one issue where you covered uh, like vintage meat slicers because obviously yeah the, we did the Burkle the Burkle sure. which uh-huh. is an amazing machine. Um, and uh, it, we were talking also about how uh, re- recently we were talking about uh, how the the food and beverage style of of Italy was kind of born out of peasantry, uh, uh, you know. Basically, you know, you've got like cured meats, you've right. got pastas, mm-hmm. you've got uh, even cheeses, you've mm-hmm. got wines that are stored. You know. And uh, nowadays, it's uh, it tends to be more of a uh, like a culinary like a sought after culinary style 
Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's kind of like a, like the upper echelon of culinary styles. Well, it's and it spans the full spectrum. I mean, you go to like for instance Italy, which just opened over off Madison Park, and you'll see a full range of everything from high gourmet to you know cucina povera. So you definitely get the full spectrum. Now, you, before you were a food and oh, beverage, and like now nowadays, when you work with a Latino Italiano, you mainly do like spirits and wine. Yeah, and I'm I'm uh, at this point I'm I'm the uh, food and wine editor, so I do more editorial side work. I will do some I will do some feature writing, mm-hmm. uh, but I lean more towards the editorial side. Cool. And before you did this, you were you worked as a chef. Yep, indeed. That started out in uh, in Seattle after you got out of college, correct? Yep, yep. I uh, started up at a jazz club in Seattle, working the line, uh, earning my chops, and then headed off to, uh, wound up in New Orleans at a, a great restaurant there, worked there for a while, and then, uh, yeah, moved on to San Francisco, opened a restaurant there. Uh, the Blue Plate. The Blue Plate, indeed. I uh, had a great time there for about two years, and uh, moved out to New York shortly thereafter. Now the cool thing, like anytime I uh, talk to someone from San Francisco, uh, they always recommend the Blue Plate, and I, I instantly I'm like, oh my god, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about how that was started. Uh, it was very uh, grassroots, uh, basically three high school friends and uh, one of their roommates from college all just decided to open a restaurant you know none of us were happy with what we were doing we were working for other people and we thought we had a good idea and got some family and friends together to help chip in and roll up our sleeves and got the place open sick of working for the man exactly exactly (laughs) now you started out uh specifically your wine selection was all pretty much all domestic yeah. In the beginning. And then as time went on, you changed it into... Yeah, I was uh, I was raised in Northern California. Uh, so I figured, well, there's all this wine right mm-hmm. here. Why would I feature wine from other places? Uh, until a good friend of mine who was uh, a sales rep for, for more of the wine importers I used uh, started turning me on to Italian and French and Spanish wine. And from then it was, you know, the rest is history. Cool. Um, after that, after that kind of experience, you moved to you moved from San Francisco. Hey, wait a minute. Okay, let's back up a second. Yeah, let's. Back. You once told me that you. Uh, first of all, uh, you spent a little bit of time in Portugal. Yeah. between Seattle and New Orleans. Yeah. I spent two months in Porto. Sampled my fair share of, of port wine. Nice. Uh, and uh, that was a that was a nice nice visit. I kind of hoped to stay a little longer, but didn't really get any traction there. I was young; I had no like no work experience really at that point. Uh, so yeah, so from there I came back to the states, took train across the country, stopped off in New Orleans, and that's how I wound up in New Orleans. Now, okay, you went to school originally in Seattle for uh, literature. Right? Uh, yeah, I was just south of Seattle in Olympia. Okay. Uh huh. Um, where did the food come into play? It, it, like, where did cooking come into play? Well, I, food is definitely part of my family. My dad was really into it. His dad was really into restaurants and finding hidden out of the way spots. So it was definitely uh, part of my my family. 
Uh, and um, I guess just at one point I got out of college and didn't really know what I was doing as most people don't when they get out of college and really wanted to be a writer. That was my, Mm -hmm. my first passion, but cooking seemed like a great way to sort of get a job and still keep enough time for my own other creative pursuits or what have you. And, uh, yeah, I finagled my way into a kitchen and it stuck. So, (laughs) yeah, it seems like the, uh, the connection between the artist and the food service industry yeah. slash bar industry yeah it's 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 almost always present <laughs> yeah like i this. mean the at you know in the good in the good spots you can feel it you can tell yeah. that something's gelling when somebody hits their stride whether it's cocktails or food or yeah. restaurants or you know it's creativity all around yeah, yeah. and uh in a way, a social experiment, which is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it should always be an experiment if it's going to be good. Well, nothing wrong with experimenting, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's funny. I, I was just thinking about that. I had, like, some flashbacks of... Uh, <laughs> Speaking of experimenting. About, yeah, exactly. My mom's going to love that reference. <laughs> uh, just the, the, the silliness of, like, uh, the, the college, like, dorm room the the cuisine available mostly like ramen noodles what do you mean burritos man and burritos yeah it's it's kind of funny to uh to find inspiration coming out of school uh, out of college and uh creating with uh i mean it, it's almost like a boot camp for like culinary or like mix a lot mixological i guess i guess <laughs> kind of yeah aspects. i mean that's a good point you sort of it's like test deal with what you have, you know. Yeah, like, test the waters and see what fires you up. Sri Rajat on everything, <laughs> and then from there you go to foie gras, and then exactly. you know, exactly. It just it's a natural transition yeah. from Sri Rajat on French fries to foie gras. How about Sri Rajat on foie gras? Hey man, I'll do it. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Um, let's get back onto the uh, the drink side of things. Um, upon your arrival in New York City, you were you worked at a few retail establishments, uh, wine shops, mm-hmm. spirits stores, yep. and uh, really kind of like started learning a lot more about the spirit side yeah. as well as more about the wine side of that. Um, and obviously, if you're you know in New York City, you're you're learning a lot more about cocktails and wine mm-hmm. and bars in general and uh, restaurants, everything, the yeah. whole the whole running the whole gamut. Um, was there anything in particular that was inspiring to you? Like, I mean, you this is going to be kind of like a geeky thing to say, but you are a writer, so yeah. yeah like, a lot of times you connect, you make this connection with uh, writers and drinking. They do go hand in hand. <laughs> they do. Although, like, if you've ever seen my penmanship, normal, like yeah. when I'm sober, that's, you, that's you, what typewriters yeah. are for. That's exactly right. Bang it out. Yeah. Um, was there anything? in particular that was inspiring for you to start writing about food and spirits? Uh, when at any given point in, well, I guess, I mean, it's more just the fascination with the world of it. Um, and the one good thing, uh, about La Cucina Italiana is I get access to, uh, you know, the wide world of Italian wine and spirits and, and, uh, it alone like that the world of italian wine and spirits alone it's is vast. a lifetime yeah you know and i'm i have the good fortune of being able to really focus on what's in front of me uh and not 
not be responsible for balancing too much as I sort of look at, you know, what's out there and what's available. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what actually tipped the scales. Um, I think I just kind of acquired a, a good amount of knowledge just working retail and being around it and mm-hmm. going to shows and tastings and all that. And, um, I mean, I have a writing background, and it just seemed like a good marriage. Eventually they connected. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, it, it had to have been partially due to, of course, the uh, the passion and the reason why you got into the first place. I mean, like, those two passions, they probably felt separate at some point, like, for Exa- a long yeah. time, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. And then at some point, it just clicked and made sense. Yeah. And it took took a while for it to make sense. But yeah. it's, it's, I feel a little less schizophrenic. Right. <laughs> we are going to take a break real quick. Um, my guest today is Ian Wolf, uh, food and wine and spirits writer for La Cucina Italiana. Uh, we'll be right back. All right. Bye-bye. Cool. Thanks. service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Tune in to Hot Grease every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Hot Grease strives to bring sustainability, localized sourcing, and other forward-thinking schools of culinary thought to the minds and kitchens of everyday folk. Each week, Nicole Taylor's conversations cover the entire spectrum of food enthusiasts, from internationally renowned culinary masters to moms on a budget looking to impress their tiniest critics. Again, that's every Monday at 3.30 p.m., Hot Grease on the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to The Speakeasy on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Damon Bolte. My guest today is Ian Wolf, Wine and Spirits Editor at La Cucina Italiano Magazine. We've been talking about uh, his transition from cook to... <laughs> Retail to to writer. Uh, to writer. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt. No, you should. Okay. Um. Okay. The one of the first pieces that I saw that that you worked on for La Cucina Italiano, there you worked on a piece. We're gonna we're gonna start moving into uh, spirits and okay. wine, but uh, one of the first things I saw was it was chestnuts. It was a piece on chestnuts, correct? Uh, I did some research yeah. on that piece. Yeah. yeah, and I edited. I did some editing on it. Um, that was a, that was an, that was a great that was a good introduction to uh, an aspect of uh, specific in cuisine mm-hmm. that that I hadn't really delved into. Uh, you know, I usually think of chestnuts as those you know, right. 
chestnuts on on like Sixth Avenue and during Christmas. Yeah. yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, it was it was a fascinating uh, eye opener for uh, how extensive that ingredient is, and a great pairing for wines and uh, and Italian spirits. Um, aperitifs and digestives in particular. Um, another one was a piece we worked on together uh, based on uh, Frenet Branca yep. cocktails. which Where you showed time, your creativity. That was an amazing cocktail and it was a fun project for sure. Thank you. Th- yeah. I, I was glad to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, Frenet Branca tends to come up a lot on this show. <laughs> <laughs> go figure. They should sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, they could. Um, but you've done, since then, you've done some pieces on grappa, uh, holiday cocktails, which you worked with uh, Tom Chadwick and... Uh, Anna Bedoyan. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, that, was a, that was a really... I mean, not to get off tangent here, but collaborating has been one of the funnest uh, aspects of the position that I've, I've found myself in at La Cucina Italiana because I get the chance to work with mixologists as much as i'd like to consider myself able to like whip up a cocktail at the drop of a hat you know it's well, not it's not my yeah. it's not my expertise and so but it's been great to be able to work with people and bring in some cool ingredients the and, dark rider <laughs> remember that one? oh yeah <laughs> how could i forget <laughs> no i i think that's really great like especially what you just said collaboration is one of the things Obviously, in in this industry that um, can really kind of make the experience to me, like getting to work with really great people, like, like just having this radio show, getting yeah. to talk with yeah. people, like minded people that are just as enthusiastic as I am about it, uh, and getting to create together. I mean, like we were going back to what we were saying earlier about like uh, the artistry involved with the uh, the service industry mm-hmm. on many levels, you know behind the bar in the kitchen just the art of talking to people on a daily basis yeah. and not losing your mind yeah <laughs> that's an art form that's an art form all of itself yeah um but yeah like the uh, collaboration you guys did uh, together tom chadwick he's, he's a buddy of mine he has a great bar called dram in in williamsburg and there were some really amazing looking cocktails in that spread and it was it was really it was laid out very well and uh I was actually looking at it uh, a little while ago, and it, yeah, we have the good fortune to have a, a great team. I mean, we're yeah. kind of a lean uh, force over there, but I think we're doing some pretty interesting stuff, and it's coming out really well. Yeah, I mean, like you know, a lot of people don't know this, but my my background is actually from like graphic design and printing magazine stuff like that. Um, it, and like looking at this magazine, which I'm holding in my hand right now. Um, the the layout of it is amazing. Um, it might it might be one of the better laid out magazines that I've seen. The photography is amazing. Um, at times minimalist, which is what I prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, but like all the the all the content is always extremely interesting. Like like we were talking about earlier, like a spread on Burkle slicers. Right, right. It's like no one knows what a Burkle slicer is, yeah. but it's one of the most beautiful machines. Right, right. Yeah, hand cranked. Yep, yep. You know. Um. Just here, there's a there's a spread on uh, decanters, you know. It's, uh-huh. it's yeah, I mean, really, that's, I mean that's what I'm saying. We have the good fortune to, to really be able to to focus on our, focus our attention on what we're doing. And mm-hmm. um, do you find that uh, 
mean, we're talking we were talking earlier about uh, like the collaboration uh, with different like mixologists and, and chefs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, these different people. Do you find that in certain ways that that can be a uh, what am I trying to say? I guess personally like I find like every time I collaborate with someone I I tend to I get reinvigorated, and mm-hmm. and I, I, I find that that these different collaborations that they, they'll steer you in these different these different directions, and you end up uh, doing some things that you never thought were possible for yourself to actually accomplish. Like, for instance, you know, like you guys, like like your co- collaboration with uh, Tom Chadwick turned into this holiday thing, and Anna, and and Anna, of uh-huh. course, of course. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, do you in any way think that like I, I, I'm, I'm, we didn't talk about this before, but it's been on my mind. Do you think in any way that you may one of these days write? Oh, uh, you have two books published already. Well, self-published, I should add, <laughs> but they published. <laughs> but hey, they're out there. <laughs> do you ever think that you might? Uh, roll this into a, a these these books the two books are i have the first one uh the first one is uh of military maneuvers and tree-lined streets stories for wartime and the second one is certain considerations both by ian wolf um <laughs> well yeah i mean both of those in some degree were collaborations at least aesthetically uh Right, because you used uh i can't remember the first one is a, a, a friend of mine aaron thurlow did the uh drawings on uh the cover and throughout the book he also did the photography on the cover of certain considerations and my girlfriend did the sort of text design uh for the cover of certain considerations so you know it's i mean it's you know i like to work with people on you know as many levels as i can cool i mean and and it's it's obviously you turn out well um i guess what i'm trying to get at is do you think that you would ever write? Because I, I would really like to read this. I, I, I love um, the Tree Line Streets book, and I've, I've read it a couple times now. And well, I appreciate I, that. Well, I appreciate of, one of a few select crowd. <laughs> um, you know, you read books like like Alcoholic Esoterica and like Everyday Drinking right. by Kingsley Amos. Yeah, yeah. You know. Every time I get together with you, and we just basically like indulge—I <laughs> just dropped my book—indulge uh, ourselves in general revelry. Right. Uh, it's it's one of one of my favorite bar experiences, and uh, to have someone well, I'm like you—well, <laughs> well, thank you. Um, do you. Would you ever think of writing a book in that kind of style, like actually meshing the two? Yeah, I mean, expertise I, I, I should. <laughs> It sounds like a great idea. Am I, did I just give you that? We idea? just collaborated. <laughs> we just collaborated exactly. right on the air. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. Uh, so uh, okay, let's uh, let's get back on track. I kind of that's that. This is the problem with to let my listeners. The general know. nature of the show. <laughs> the general nature of the show is sitting around drinking and talking about drinking with good friends. 
which makes it really great. Yeah. But it tends to uh, turn into a situation where we forget we're on the air. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a conversational thing, which I think is really great. And I love it about this show. Um, to get back on track, you did do a, uh, a spread on Grappa mm-hmm. for Licatina Italiano. Yeah. That and one. Uh, it, you did, like, what, 20 or so? Oh, man. You had to ask specifics. <laughs> I've got the magazine but, uh, right here. But we did. I did... Um, I did, uh, I did uh, like, I think four, maybe 12, was it? Maybe it was 15. I did aged, unaged, and uh, sort of slightly aged grappa. Looks like 16 here. Okay. Um, yeah, that was an amazing, because I, at that point, I knew, I knew I liked grappa. I'd had it, you know, at restaurants and whatnot, and basically knew of only about three or four brands and started researching for the story and realized there was an entire world of out there, you know, of distilleries and, uh, you know, small production distillers and stuff that was trying, they were trying to get import licenses for, and it was, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and what was most amazing about it was how nuanced this, you know, spirit is. Um, I mean, in a way, in a lot of ways, it's like tequila in that it's, it's a very rich, very, uh, full bodied, distillate but uh and, and it, ha- it has a lot of different aspects to it that I, I think most people don't uh or a lot of people just don't really consider i mean it has a bad reputation it's it's fire water <laughs> yeah, to a lot of people say. it is it, it is the pure it's the eau de vie it's the pure essence of the grape the pomace yeah the yeah. leftover pomace from uh the winemaking process so right. it's it's economical in a lot of ways because you've got this waste just like that goes full circle to what we were talking exactly. about before as a as a like it's almost like a peasant thing but it's a refined yeah peasants yeah. like yeah spirit i mean its it. history comes from basically the barons and landed gentry tossing uh the leftover grape pressings to all the people who are basically making the wine and saying here do whatever you can a lot of times uh they would just sort of re-ferment it and make like a light kind of wine from it mm-hmm. uh and then some people caught on that you could actually make something a lot stronger from it uh and so what you're seeing now is you're seeing very like very vineyard specific grappa uh that that are actually and here's one case in point um single vineyard uh grappa that definitely i mean you can taste the difference i mean you get Vodka, you get uh, grappa from Barolo. You get grappa from Barbaresco. This is a Gavi di Gavi, uh, so it's a little bit sweeter. But uh, I think you'll probably agree that it's pretty remarkably smooth. This is the uh, the Gavi di Gavi, right? Mm-hmm. You just say uh, this one actually is like super chocolatey on the nose. Yeah. Wow, I haven't had this one yet. That's surprising to me because. I really love Grappa. This is this is uh, as I was saying. This is one of the uh, a very small production uh, Grappa. I met the producer. He came into our offices. Really nice guy. Uh, oh obvious God. passion for what he's doing. He hasn't been doing it. He's been doing it, I think since the seventies. But I mean, as far as I can say, he just nailed it. Wow. This is one of this. You're right. This is the best Grappa. And if you ever see it's ever a Loren- Lorenzo Inga. Uh, you won't see it around too much, um, but it is out there. I think there might actually be some here. Duh. At Roberta's? Yeah. 
Yeah. Did I see a bottle? No, no, I didn't see a bottle of this. Sorry. You saw the they one had that a you good, brought. <laughs> they had a good selection, though, I have to say. Oh, my God. Jack, you got to try this. <laughs> we'll pour one for Jack. Yeah, there's enough to go After around. the show. Um, wow. That's, wow. This is amazing. Okay. Sorry to make everyone jealous out there um, for not being able to try this with us, but uh, I really appreciate you bringing this on the show. Oh, glad to. And I really appreciate you coming on the show, Ian. Um, it's been a really great experience talking to you about La Cucina Italiana out on newsstands. Um, anytime you want to come back, man, let's do it. I got lots to talk about. (laughs) I I know you do. I know you do. (laughs) And we could just keep on going. Keep on. (laughs) Keep on keeping on. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Ian. Thank you. And, uh, thanks for being on the show. And thanks to my producer, Jack, who is about to have a glass of grappa. I'm Damon Bolte. You've been listening to The Speakeasy on the Heritage Radio Network. Join me next week where my guest will be Brad Farron of the Clover Club in Brooklyn, New York. Cheers. That cat is high. Look at that look in his eye. Man, I wouldn't lie. The cat's higher than a kite. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. Man, I wouldn't lie. The Gentile. Then a guy.